I was, you know, collecting patterns for a decade and I'm like, I'm going to condense this pattern I collected over a decade. And now I'm going to prove that with just an iPhone, you can um, be a sovereign artist and, you know, make a living that is, that is, you know, can give you enough to do your wildest dreams of photography. And that's what drive has been for me. everyone, it's Sam, NFT Statistics, and today we have Dave Krugman on the podcast. Dave is a very successful photographer. He's had some great sales with Christie's, started two collections that have done very well called Drip, Drop, and Drive. But what really makes this just a really fun episode is that Dave understands community building. He understands the idea of giving to your community, of supporting people around you, and just that really following the golden rule in life contributes to building a really, really good business. Uh, so I thought it was great to have him on the show to learn about how he thinks about his collections. He's very, very deliberate in how he thinks about the pacing of his collections and what he does when, and really just seems to understand this game of NFTs. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I got a lot out of it, found it really just kind of enjoyable to talk to the guy. I hope you find the same thing as, as, as you listen along. Uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. Dave Krugman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I think we I think we first met in Marfa, and we've been talking about doing a show for a long time. So I'm glad that we can make it happen here. Yeah, what a, what a special time Marfa was. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of wild, Marfa. I feel that was when FTX happened and like the market was totally crashing. And right now we're kind of <laughs> we're we're not in a global or crypto crash, but NFTs are crashing. So I see you uh, when things are going a little crazy. And yeah. that's always, I guess things are always a little crazy in NFTs. Never and, a dull moment. The, <laughs> exactly, exactly. One, one of the things you said is that uh, NFTs or blockchain and photography are a perfect marriage. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what you mean by that. Why do, why do you think that? Um, I, it, you know, it's funny. I, I really see a kind of really direct comparison, like a, a beautiful metaphor in that, you know, a blockchain is this kind of way to mark time and it's a way to mark effort. And it creates this kind of immutable chain of information that is kind of verified by a collective consensus. Um, and if you think about what photography is, that's, that's what photography does as well. We kind of create instances of time that are all stacked in this um, immutable sequence. You can never go back and alter that. You know, I like the comparison to film photography a lot because you can never go back and alter that like atomic structure of the, of the film. And you could really think of each roll of film as like a block in a chain. And it's almost this like proof of work mechanism. Like you, you have to be there. You have to put in the effort. You have to expose the chemicals to light. And then you have to develop the film. And there's this like chemical process that helps us, you know, mark time. And then the truth, both the truth and the significance of the images we make is kind of determined by this global decentralized consensus. You know, we can all kind of recall certain images that were, you know, along that timeline that have altered the course of, of human history. Um, and it just feels like the collision of, of blockchain technology and um, photography technology as, as it relates to time is, is an area that's really ripe for discussion. So I, I always really like thinking about the world that way. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm also a bit of a photographer. Like it was 10 years ago, I was really into travel photography and I actually did photography full time when I worked at Uber for a year. So yeah, it's something I'll probably bring up you know, over the conversation, but it is, uh, 
Yeah, it is. It, 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 I think they both do have this role of kind of marking a moment, you know, yes, and, and absolutely. that being official. Well, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, this is, you know, you started your first drop was in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and by the by the four block or four NFTs, I kind of see like July of 2021, the day that the world found out about us, you know, that was yes. when Visa bought their punk. That was when Steph Curry uh, made his profile picture board ape. Like these types of moments were actually just huge back then. And before then, you know, and I think it's cause I look at data so much. There's just really almost no volume aside from like art blocks had moments and whatnot yep. before July, 2021, you were, you were here in November, 2020. I'd be curious kind of your take on how, how NFTs have evolved since then? Like what kind of stages do you see for NFTs, both for yourself and it, as well as just the movement in general? Yeah. So I think it's a really good point. I mean, when I first um, was introduced to NFTs, um, it was actually through my friend Jay and Silva, who has been a long time, you know, creative co-conspirator. We were extremely intertwined in community building on platforms like Instagram. We, you know, when Instagram first came out, we were leading um, a lot of these things called Instameets where photographers would kind of use the network system to, you know, get everybody into one place, like almost like a flash mob of photographers. And we would kind of use this as a cross-pollinating, like energy exchange, creativity exchange that accelerated our growth as artists. So that's where that started. And and Jan was very into crypto and he finally, uh, you know, despite my resistance was able to show me, you know, this technology that was about to uh, uh, unfold. Um, and I kind of was able to frame it in a way that it's the next evolution of like the general arc towards the decentralization of, of our internet systems and, and information systems. So it was a ghost town for photography, for sure. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm the first by any means to, to mint photography on ETH, but I was one of the few uh, doing it that year. And it was, it was quiet. And I, I actually feel like the way this space started uh, it, it started in the right place. Like it really started with artists who are super, what I would call like computer native, right? Um, and so it's like three D people who can three D render really well. Like people like Beeple who have you know put in more than well more than ten thousand hours into their craft, and then Gen Art like code based art. And so I was after my mint, you know, it was kind of like I didn't, you know, know exactly what to expect from this system. And I was even thinking, oh, do I need to animate my photos or do I need to make them um, more like NFT-like? But I'm really glad I stuck to my guns and just and stuck to photography. And what I did in the interim before the market picked up for photography, which now it massively has, is I would write articles about artists I love on my website, All Ships. And what that did was it, it, was, it helped me, first of all, learn something new every day from you know, an artist I admired and, and learn about the space and how they were operating. But it also gave me this incredible like social battery that was something that I could tap into later when there was when photography was a little bit more popular um, because everybody remembered that moment where I you know, did what I could to elevate them. And then so by the time I needed that moment, it, I it was able to kind of like, you know, without even asking, basically have the value of the entire community ba- back up my projects. Um, but in terms of what's changed. I mean, I, I think we've just moved through so many different metas and different cycles in the space. I mean, my core belief in this um, ecosystem is is unwavering. I just think we're going to, it's growing pains. We're going to have to lose a lot of projects. We're going to have to lose a lot of things that don't work in order to find those those kernels of truth. 
Um, and, and to me, those kernels of truth are um, a more frictionless digital marketplace for people who are, you know, internet natives and, you know, spend a lot of our time in online social spaces. And we want ways to social signal. We want ways to support each other. And the fluidity of the currencies that we're operating in and the fact that we're making art in a, in a space that has like a, a native social layer. Um, I just think the, the rapidity of, of uh, that feedback loop that we're creating around uh, creator economies is just, it's going to beat out any other system that we've had so, to date so far. So that's what I'm really excited for. Is the social layer what's actually different? Like when I look back at your history, it seems like you're you're big on Instagram. You've built a huge following. You found a way to make that social to do get-togethers. It almost feels like there's almost like this monetization fact that makes this a little bit different. But just in the sense that you've been social, it feels since well before 2020 with your community and the people who like your art. But how has that social aspect changed through blockchain? Or what do you think the big changes are versus the way you built community beforehand? This is a really great question, and I think it comes down to fundamentally the difference between an audience and a community. Um, I think what NFTs allow for is they allow us to disconnect from the circadian cycle of attention economies. So, you know, if in a purely um, social media environment where there's no digital assets, basically I just have to like feed this algorithm every single day. Like I better, you know, if I miss a day, like I get punished by the algorithm. Um, and what NFTs allow me to do is to issue somebody a token and say, stick around, you're, you're in the core, like center, the burning core of my community. Now this is a, a smaller niche two-way communication, which is really key to community building. So somebody who holds a drip drop, for example, is you know one of 540 people who believe in the long-term vision of this art project I'm building. Um, and our incentives are aligned towards the success of this particular project, the success of the space. And so that incentive alignment that that token creates um, moves me from more of a broadcasting channel into a interactive um, community-based uh, exchange of, of value, of information, of friendship, of camaraderie. Uh, of, of um, It's just like a deeper like root layer to the internet that I think we don't, you can't really access unless you have some sort of sense of ownership. Um, and prior to NFTs and, and blockchain technologies, like we just didn't have any ownership mechanism as independent creators on the internet. Like, you know, I might have 320,000 followers on Instagram, but I'm renting that space. I'm renting my own name, my identity from people's who's <laughs> from people whose interests are very misaligned for my own. And in, in internet systems that are run, um, in a kind of race to the bottom mentality for people's attention. And so this kind of allows me to have, you know, free of the, the pun, but like a side chain of social relationships that are less parasocial and more actually just social. Um, and I, so I think that's what it does. It extends my time horizons for projects. It's, it's a crowdfunding mechanism by which I can have more runway for my creative ideas. And it, most importantly, it allows me to decouple my creative output from commercial interests and, um, you know, attention economies, which have done a lot of, have had a lot of, uh, destructive influence on, on our social fabric in general. 
Were there specific things that happened with you and Instagram where, you know, cause I, it, it, I, 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 you have a good relationship with the platform. You did the mint with them. Like you built yep. a huge following on there. I'm sure you generated a lot of business through there with different corporates or whoever your clients were beforehand. Like I'm sure it actually was probably a pretty positive relationship, but what, or I, maybe I shouldn't be sure of that, but what were the, what were the things that really you're like, this isn't doing what it needs to be doing. I need a new alternative. I, I think it's less about, Instagram and it's more about like our relationship with social media in general. So when, when we signed the contract uh, with, and I mean that like metaphorically, like when, when you click yes on the terms of service, when you create an account in 2011 on Instagram, it's the best deal in the world for you, right? You're like unlimited free distribution to a global audience uh, with imagery and video. Like, of course, yeah, of course, click yes, of course. Like that's a deal I'll sign any day because what that allowed me to do, that decentralized publishing for me. I, I became a publisher, a self-published artist who could then sell advertisements in my own magazine in the palm of your hand, right? Um, and so that was a really, really good deal. And, and, and it was a good deal for a long, long time. But as these systems become more and more valuable and attract more and more people like into the billions, right? Now that relationship, just by its, the nature of what it is, starts to change. So when these companies are generating, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue selling advertising against our content, you know, now, now it's like, wait a minute, like these are, these are really successful frameworks, but they're just frameworks. It's the people who bring their relationships, their artwork, their videos, their poetry, their music, and fill these spaces with, um, and make them places worth being. That ma- that's what makes these spaces valuable for advertisers. So in a way it's just become time for us to renegotiate our relationship with the internet. And this is the first time in my life uh, or maybe in the world that we've had the opportunity um, through an alternate, you know, funding source to have leverage to renegotiate that relationship with the internet. And for me, that's been NFTs and saying, you know, I can do more with a thousand engaged followers than I can do with 10 million disengaged followers on Instagram because I don't have to lose the conversion. I don't have to lose a lot of uh, value in the conversion from attention to US, USD. I can go like direct uh, in these like trustless transactions across the, the blockchain space and uh, instantaneously deliver products across, um, you know, at, at a global scale. And uh, that to me is just such a profound shift in how creative people can engage with internet systems. So, you know, I don't think there's a specific criticism of Instagram, obviously, like I would much rather them have stayed the course and, and believed in, you know, uh, a better f- future and a more sovereign future for the artists that have helped make their platform so profitable. But I also think that, you know, they are a platform, a huge, massive, you know, global company that is based in advertising. And it, it might not be that our incentives are aligned to this moment in history. I remember they changed, they made a move that I felt really hurt photographers and benefited video where stills mm-hmm. got really punished in the algorithm. And it, yeah, it feels like something like that where you've built your whole platform. I mean, you, you probably spent many years waking up to seeing how many followers you have, letting those dopamine hits kind of build you want to, you want to create more content and, you know, and work on that. And then suddenly this algorithm changes that, 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 that really kind of changes everything for your visibility with the, with that audience you built a relationship with it. It yeah. did feel like there were some pivotal moments that really kind of hurt, hurt individuals in, in different ways. 
Well, honestly, it's like having a bad landlord. I mean, I, I, first of all, I want to say that I'm very, very grateful for the systems that Instagram put together and it's absolutely changed my life and given me all my friends. And I mean, it's beyond net positive for me. Um, but again, you know, without that sense of ownership and that sovereignty, like, like when they had to start competing with TikTok, for example, yeah, they deprioritized photography. And for somebody like me who put a decade of every single day replying to every single comment and building my communities to, to see like literally in the stats <laughs> um, that my posts were only reaching 3% of my audience unless I pay, it just feels like this kind of bait and switch where, you know, that, that you know, doesn't seem fair, but Fair doesn't really matter because it's not, it's, I don't have any equity or ownership or say or stake. So what I like about what Web3 has given me is Web3 gives me that root layer, that identity layer uh, that is, is, is fundamentally mine. Um, it gives me the ability to like really rapidly transact and support other artists and other artists supporting me like all over the entire globe. And it has turned my social media accounts into way more of a, of a journal, of a, you know, there's so much less pressure on me on social media to show up every single day. Like, and there's so much less pressure for me to optimize for the algorithm because what happens um, with algorithms is if you basically people like, oh, I mastered the algorithm or here's how you like really, you know, hack the algorithm. And what's really happening is that you're letting the algorithm completely rewrite your your behavioral psychology. So like I, it's really a huge relief to have a core community of people who hold my art and my tokens, um, to have that be my fortress. And then everything else that I'm doing online has had this incredible pressure lifted off of it because it's not my, you know, one dependent stream of income where I like need to really, really worry about maintaining my relevance in, in constantly evolving systems. For sure. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I even think of myself, like I, Twitter has historically punished links, you know, so suddenly yeah. you don't link to your source and it's like, yeah. you no, know, if, if you're a data person, you want to be linking to your source. Like that's kind of improves your relationship with your audience and just makes you more intellectually honest. But yeah, it, but yeah. then no one sees it, you know, so it is, it is a, something you can, you can kind of fall a little bit slave to if, and, and we see it on Twitter, certainly in our space as well. But yeah, so why, why don't you go a little bit over your projects uh, in NFTs? I know you had Drive and I know you have Drip Drop and you have your, your super rare uh, kind of one-on-one -on -one business that, hey, congrats, you just had a, a great sale on Christie's. Um, Thank you. You know, what, uh, yeah, why don't you go over a little bit of kind of like the quick, uh, quick punchlines on, uh, on how you've progressed your personal collection and, and collector base? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much uh, for the kind words about Christie's. That was a, a special moment. I got to stand with my dad, uh, um, Michael Krugman, who is the one who put a camera in my hands <laughs> and you know always encouraged me. And despite the risks of of going for the art path, he's just like, "You got this, man. I got your back. You know, um, let's do it together." And and to stand on his birthday at the Christie's reception, like be like. We're in Christie's, man. It felt like a really, really special moment. So thanks for acknowledging that. Um, I think I'm going to start here by just saying that like, my whole thesis on this space is that it has a lot to do with what I studied in college, which is evolutionary psychology. And so humans love to collect. I mean, for tens of thousands of years, we optimized evolutionarily um, for an environment where you had to do a few things very, very well. And if you didn't, you did not survive. One was pattern recognition 
you had to really optimize to find resources, to find food. It was the difference between life and death to understand what different materials you could use and, and to recognize, you know, what food you could eat and what you could not eat. Um, then, you know, the other component to that era of evolution, which is most of our history as human beings, um, is, uh, you know, community building. And, and storytelling and communication with each other. Um, it's, tri it's why, you know, even today we're such a tribal species. Like we've, we've gone through proxy layers and proxy layers, but it's like sports, it's, it's everything. Um, and so I think that when I think about how to release projects to uh, mass markets of, of other human beings, you really got to think about people's evolutionary tendencies and their instincts. And so one of the things that I can touch on here is the importance of patterns. Um, we see it in gen art. I think gen art is a really great example. I'm super inspired by art blocks and Snowfro and, and everybody who's, who's helped, you know, lead the charge on that front. Um, but people like matching sets. Like there isn't a single object <laughs> in our society and I'm talking physical objects that people don't collect. Like people collect cookie jars, people collect, matchbox cars people collect pokemon cards people collect uh dream catchers like there's just oh like no matter what you pick there is a community of people that like collecting it because they like the satisfaction and they like the community of people that they find doing that so i basically think nfts give us digital objecthood so that our instinct to collect things is no different in digital spaces as it is in, in physical space as well so i'm kind of just leaning into that and um that's kind of been a a big part of all my projects. Um, and then you can use the community of people that collect them to build that tribal identity and to kind of, you know, be a, a tribal leader, be a storyteller. Like Twitter spaces are like this oral history of the space, right? These podcasts are our oral history. Um, and it's, I, you know, it's not that far of a leap to, to say that it's the same as um, the stories that we were telling, you know, around campfires uh, tens of thousands of years ago. Uh, probably different topics though. <laughs> Um, so anyway, drive was my, when I realized all this and kind of incorporated all this into my thinking and my planning for my legacy on the blockchain as an artist, drive was a project that I started on Instagram, um, as early as like 2013. Um, I have an account called secret street and I started this account because people on Instagram were, you know, asking me constantly, Oh, you know, what camera should I buy? I, I only have one. Um, I only have like a thousand bucks I've been saving up. Like what, what camera do I need to take pictures like you? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start an account where I only shoot with iPhone. Like the thing you're, that you're texting me on, I will create a body of work that I'm proud of and that I can think is impressive. And then whenever somebody asks me what camera they need to spend money on, I'm like the one you're texting me on right now. Um, and just go out there and get started. And so I use this account to encourage people to engage in the craft of photography. Um, and so one of the motifs that I collected on this account, uh, among many other motifs, but one of the motifs was classic cars, kind of funky cars, cars with personality, all shot in three, two, all shot on iPhone and kind of, they always have a little bit of character or some setting that is really special. And this to me is like, you know, I grew up collecting matchbox cars and, and hot wheels and stuff. And so this was my kind of abstraction of that early collector behavior that I had in my own life. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you can see on Secret Street uh, right here that there's all these sort of patterns that I notice and collect. There's windows, there's newspapers, there's uh, subways, and of course, there's cars. So what I decided to do 
was to build a collection of 111 vehicles. Um, I have thousands of these cars shot, and I, I just kind of culled it down to a, a manageable amount. At the time, it felt like a really good number to release. But I think one thing that I did that was clever here um, is I, I kind of realized that these tokens can be incredible incentive mechanism tools. Um, and so I decided to withhold from the outset 20 of my favorite cars, and I called them trophies. And basically I said, I'm going to sell 91 cars. Um, eight of them will be on auction. And the eight on auction were the grails. So that those are like the premier vehicles of the collection. Then the rest were in tiers one through three at different prices from 0.25 to 0.5 ETH. And then the 20 other, the 20 most special cars, I was like, they're in my garage. They're mine and they're in my hard wallet. And the only way that you can unlock these NFTs is once every month or two, I run a create, I run creative contests. And if you hold these vehicles, if you hold one of the original drive cars, you can compete in these contests, right? Um, and you can, the, the only way to unlock them or like win them, it's kind of like drag racing. Like you, if you want to win the pink slip for this car, you have to take the best picture in the style of drive. So I've created like this global network of people who are looking for cool cars all over the world. And I mean, every race we have at least, you know, a hundred submissions from all over the world. And people, what I've been able to do here is not only is it an incentive to, to hold the original tokens and, you know, create a really robust group of holders, but it's also an incentive for people to tap into their creativity in a way that they haven't done before. And I've had a lot of holders reach out and say, dude, like you've made me look at the world differently. Like every time I see one of these cars, I think about your project and, you know, are there I'm any sl- more left? Are the yeah, trophies so a- all? No. So, so there's 11 trophies left. I'm very conscious of doing this slowly. Um, you know, something I learned from Snowfro when he paused this, his squiggles mint was that if you can have a kind of like potential energy stored up in the project, then you can use that in so many different directions. You can use it to incentivize charitable behavior. He's so good at that. You can use it to incentivize um, art- artists going out and creating things. You know, I just am really fascinated at the idea of like withholding some of the tokens from a project in order to help propagate the meme of the project deeper into the ecosystem. And Drive was my first example of that. Um, and it's been going great and people love it and it's this game and I get a text once a day from somebody somewhere in the world or a DM that says, look at this one, like I'm saving it for the race. And I think Doesn't one other- Does it be taken with an iPhone? No, it can be taken with whatever. Um, it's definitely okay. agnostic. I mean, I've done contests that were, make the best derivative of a Drive car. And, you know, people made, um, you know, pixel art drive cars. They made 3D renders of drive cars. They've done all sorts of really interesting stuff. And I'll continue to come up with new ideas and let the community weigh in. But having those NFTs held back is the only reason that I get to continue to kind of perpetuate the creative influence of this project uh, across time and space. So so that's really a fascinating thing. And, And my advice to other artists is think about how you can use this technology deeper than just a JPEG minted to the blockchain. Um, how can you turn it into this like mechanical, um, you know, machine of, of interactivity and creative influence? Yeah, I think that, you know, one, one of the things that I think is, is so impressive about the work you do is there, there's kind of this idea or a common line is the art is the utility. And I think that, you know, and I think that there is a place for that, but I think mm. when you all, but I think there's also a place and a, you know, it, 
and a way to keep people engaged and keep people involved and keep people excited about your work and anticipating what's next and wanting to, you know, wanting to be part of the community when you, when there are ways that you can, you know, the car allows you to enter these contests and then you might get another car and then people want to hold them longer. And, you know, it, it just kind of gamifies something. Uh, and I, yeah, I think there's something, and, and, and there's a little bit of that message here in the fact that you're using your, you know, these are all photos you shot with your iPhone. These are not the yep. ones, you know, like there is like, it has a bit, maybe, maybe that gives it a bit more, not to say it's any less worthy or anything than your other photos, but it kind of has a bit more of that token aspect. Um, yeah. And the other thing you said that I think is so spot on and is this idea of creating pattern recognition and kind of like identity through it and something just very, very consistent. You have such incredible work, you know, across your one of ones that you've sold on Christie's in a couple times. This wasn't even your first Christie's auction, right. but the big collections you have are, are, much more simple, you know, they're, yeah. they're, and, but what, the, what, what unites them is consistency and identity that, that holders can have with them. And it's yeah, like deliberate. It, oh, very deliberate. I mean, it's, it's why I chose drive to lead with. There's a couple of things you pointed out there that I think are really important to hammer home. One is that I was very intentionally wanted to do this with just an iPhone. Um, accessibility of creativity is something that's really, really important to me. Um, so I wanted to not only prove like with my Instagram account, secret street, I was trying to prove that you could build a body of work you could be proud of with just the device you have in your hands. When I evolved into web three and into this, this nascent space, I was like, I, now I want to prove that you can make a living doing that with your iPhone. And so I was able to kind of like take that body of work that I was, you know, collecting patterns for a decade. And I'm like, I'm going to condense this pattern I collected over a decade. And now I'm going to prove that with just an iPhone, you can um, be a sovereign artist and, you know, make a living that is, that is, you know, can give you enough to do your wildest dreams of photography. And that's what drive has been for me. I mean, this, this project completely liberated me from a lot of, um, different, you know, pressures that, that I just, uh, am fortunate to, to not have to deal with at this, at this stage. That's awesome. And then, yeah, yeah. why don't you tell the, move on to, to chapter, I don't know if it's two, three, four, what it is, but about with drip drop and how that came. Yeah. So drip drop is, is I'm really excited to talk about drip drop because this is such an important project to me. So, you know, one thing I, I learned from drive was the power of, of, you know, holding back some tokens in order to incentivize the community. So you'll see on the, the drip drop page, that um, there's 1,111 total tokens, but there's only 1,011 out. So I've, I w again, I withheld 10% of the supply, and uh, you know I, I have ideas for how to continue to engage the community over the course of my lifetime uh, with, with those uh, extra extra mints. Um, but all that aside, this project is. I, I wouldn't even hesitate anymore to call it a generative art project. After hearing, you know, Jeff Davis, I was on a Twitter space with him and somebody asked him what the definition of generative art was. And he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. So, um, but he basically said like, it's art that emerges from a set of constraints that you put forth and it does not have to be code based. It, it's just, you create a system and the, the outputs that come out of that system and the instances that come out that emerge from that, you know, whatever pattern you set up in order to create the work that's generative art. So what, what's really fascinating to me is one of the things I loved shooting and, you know, just for Instagram and for phone backgrounds and for friends was uh, the rain hitting puddles in Times Square. And so all of this color that you're seeing, like none of this is added. This is all just like billboards flashing randomly in, in torrential downpours in Times Square. And I, again, I shot this pattern for 10 years and when I, I, 
kind of took at least maybe like 15,000 photos of, of this. And I, and I sampled it down to a, again, more uh, cohesive set. And I, I just thought that this was such an incredibly abstract, cool pattern. It's just, it's just like aesthetically beautiful to me. It also, you know, fits into my thematics around rain and, and like Blade Runner vibes and neo-noir and then like, you know, mystery. And it, it's just like really aesthetically pleasing to me and they look great on screens and they're, they're massively high resolution. Um, but I'm very, I was very inspired by Chromie Squiggles and, and Snowfro and uh, the whole Artbox community. And, and I really do feel like this is a gen art, you know, adjacent project, if, if not more. And so I was in Denver and I met Ben, Ben Strauss uh, of Transient Labs. And I told him this idea. I was like, I really want to work with you guys. Like, I, you know, you guys are just incredibly gigabrained and I would love to find a way to work together. And we kicked around a few ideas. And when I showed him um, some images, I was like, listen, I want to do like an art blocks, art blocks inspired uh, photography project. His, his eyes lit up and he's like, yo, what if we use machine vision um, to, uh, you know, create a, a, an emergent rarity system. So it's kind of a modified self-driving car AI, which looks at every single image and it can count the ripples. It can count the, the balance of color. It can count the balance of shadow versus light. And it can count the kind of chaos metric, the deviation from a flat surface. Um, and all of those, those metrics come together and create, you know, a rarity ranking. And actually, if you want to go to um, dripdrop.allships.co, you can actually see like all the data sets that we've created around this. And uh, as a numbers guy, that might be kind of interesting to you as well. Um, and it's fun because it's a way for me to you know kind of pay tribute to the um, rarity systems of generative art, but do it with pure photography. Um, it's funny how many people still confuse this project um, with, uh, generative art. So if you go to that token ID thing, just enter any number between, uh, 11 and a thousand and then hit look up. Yeah. So you'll see here it's gonna, these are super high res. So it's, it loads, uh, like a, an old router, but yeah, see if you click on the bottom left image, uh, underneath the, um, main yeah, image there. there you go so you have this uh machine vision system that is you know kind of agnostically rating the the data set for each individual drip and then this creates um a rarity system that is it's, a, it's actually a beautiful bell curve because we're randomly sampling nature but again you know if generative art is a system by which you, you know you you set up this strict system um and then the art that emerges from uh, from those instances that you you know where you freeze the code to me, I'm freezing the code of the universe. Like for me, my source code is the laws of physics. You know, my, my source code is the interaction of light time, space, uh, subject rain. Um, and by, by limiting myself to those constraints, I created the system in which this, this, what I think is beautiful art can emerge from. And so this has been really fun. One of the things the that's, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it sounds, I mean, one of the things that I think is always interesting is when artists put something out in the world, how their community interacts with it. And especially mm. here you have not only how your community interacts acts with it, but how does your community pay for it? You actually start seeing people like ascribe different things as valuable, other things yep. as less valuable. And you know, a lot of times that, that 
system that a community and a marketplace create is very different from what the artists intended or didn't intend, just envisioned. Um, ha- has that happened here at all? Is, is it, has your community surprised you as far as how they've interacted with this kind yeah, of, definitely. of approaching your work? Definitely. I mean, look, I, I put this out into the world. Um, in many ways, I was inspired by proof too. I mean, like I, I saw the proof pass like a thousand you know, opportunities to get into this ecosystem of people that are interested in art. Right. And, um, I was like, I, I was like, I want to build a community of a thousand people that are interested in, in what I'm doing and, or, you know, what other people are doing. And so I kind of just wanted to put it out into the world and, and yeah, give it to the community and see what they would do with it. And, you know, some really interesting things have happened in that regard. One is that, um, you know, people have given airdrops to drip holders. People have used drip holders as an allow list data set. People have, um, we created a system called storm drain in which you can bid on, on artwork, other one of ones, you can bid using drips in a ranked auction. And then the contract auto swaps the drips for the work. Um, and in the future, I mean, I don't see why this couldn't be like an incredibly effective mint pass. Uh, we could, you know, get a cohort of artists together, you know, and say, you know, drip holders, you have an opportunity to get, you know, X of X editions from this, from this community. And so it's really like, I really love the idea of NFTs as like a primitive, right? Where you can just be like, this is just a great data set that we can build, build upon. It's a foundation that you can build anything on top of. Uh, and that's really interesting. And like, I actually, when I do projects, I like to keep it very nebulous. I don't release roadmaps. I'm not making any promises. Um, it's just art. But along the way, we can have a lot of fun and we can, you know, again, use these different incentive mechanisms. You know, when I did a storm drain, I put a one of one in the storm drain and I got 12 drips back. And then I can take those 12 drips and do Twitter giveaways and be like, hey, like, let's get more eyes on the project. You know, like, so it, it creates this kind of self-perpetuating what's engine. What's a storm drain? Sorry, so what's storm a storm drain, drain? Storm drain is a contract that we developed with Transient Labs. And basically it's a contract where you can you put your drips, like you stake your drips in the contract and you can never, you only can stake more than the last person did. And what happens at the end is, you know, it's, it's open for a certain amount of time and whoever stakes the most drips in the contract, the contract auto swaps a collateral, you know, a collateralized token and it, it swaps the two, the two, um, you know, without any human intervention. And, um, so basically a one of one left my wallet and 12 drips flowed into the, into my wallet. And so we called it storm drain as like, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. Um, yeah. Play on rain. And we're, we're working with a couple other artists. We're working with a couple other artists that are putting up work in the storm drain in the future. So I'm really excited to see, you know, I won't get any of those drips, but the artist who puts their, their work up, will will have the drips exchanged. Amazing. One of the other things that, jumps out at me is, you know, drive you launched in September of 2021. I mean, yeah. this is, this is that for, for NFT space, that is a long time. That's, and you still hold that supply. Yeah. And I think like, that's something that I think is so rare that you have creators in this space who think really long-term they're like, this yeah. isn't, you know, there's kind of like this pressure to create value, to do a competition, to do this, to do the airdrop, to do whatever. And, you know, and it, and people start just chasing their own tail, trying to do things, you know, one month in, one month out. Then people tweet, like, why is this going down? You bust something else out. And here you're sitting here, you know, 
two years later, a year and a half later, and you still own them. And you just, you're just kind of like setting the example for your community. This is a long-term thing. I'm showing it by the way I am treating this, these valuable assets that I, that I still have myself. Uh, and it, I don't know, that, that just struck me as something really kind of unique uh, as you were telling your story. Yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate that. It's definitely conscious. Like I'm, the thing about blockchain to me is like, it's a, it's a ledger for like history. Like it's, it will outlive us all by so far. And my, my projects I'm building, not just for my lifetime, but to, you know, exceed my lifetime. I want these, I want to leave behind systems that are, you know, these self-perpetuating artistic interlocking, you know, excitement, moments of excitement long after I'm gone. And um, for me, you know, a couple of years is just a blink compared to, you know, how far I want to take um, my creativity in this space. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you noticing that. It's And I want to say one thing about my community in regards to this is that my communities that hold all of these projects, um, you know, I have thousands of unique holders at this point. Um, they are so incredibly supportive. Nobody's ever asked me for anything Nobody's ever, you know, in my Discord demanding value, demanding utility. And I just think, again, this is because our incentives have become aligned and intertwined in such a beautiful way. And it's because of this technology that allows us to extend the timeframes of our relationships beyond uh, the circadian cycle of social media. That, that actually answered the, the next question I wanted to ask, because I would think I... I think if you look at Moonbirds, if you look at a lot of PFPs and, and even artists, I do think communities often do apply that same level of pressure. You know, it's it, everyone at some level has a boss, you know, and it used to be the algorithm. And right now you have a lot of people who've invested their family's money into your work. And d does that, you know, and, and it's awesome to hear that it hasn't really taken on that relationship. So I'd be curious, have you, do you see a new form of pressure here that you feel yourself now that people have financially kind of invested in? in your work and your ability to, uh, in your ability to maintain the value of your NFTs and, and build out provenance here, or do you, is it just kind of natural for you? Or how, how do you personally deal with that pressure or if it, if it exists at all? Yeah. So I think there definitely is a pressure. It's a lot of responsibility, but I think the way that you deal with that is that you honor your commitments to the people who believe in you. Um, you know, one thing I've done with drip drop, for example, is like, you know, the market's a little, a little slow right now. People are a little sparse on ETH. And I was going to do this, you know, big drop uh, and sell like, you know, maybe like 200 NFTs at point two. And I decided, I was like, you know what? Not the right time to do it. Instead, I'm going to do a rewards drop for drip drop holders and I'll make it free. And, you know, at the bottom of the market, just be like, hey, like you suck with me. Let me add a little value for, for that investment that you did make in me. And I said, okay, if you have three drips, you can claim this edition. If you have five drips, you can claim this edition. If you have 10 drips, you can claim this edition and the top holder will get a one of one. And awesome. so to me, this is a way to just be like, thank you for sticking with me. You know, I, I'm, I'm always thinking of you in the way that you, that you have thought of me and supporting my project. And I think those kind of um, thoughtful gestures towards the people that have supported you are, are really important. And with the data layers that we have in this space, you know, you're such a great data guy. Like, it's this executable community. Like you can just like look exactly, I can do a snapshot and I can see these wallets get this, these wallets get this. And then the supply of those additions was controlled by people's conviction. So like, you know, the, the 10 drip one only has a few mints because, you know, only a few people uh, were able to cross that threshold. And so, I don't know, I think it's kind of just, um, setting expectations, I think is really important. Like I never promise anything, but I kind of, 
deliver. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think when you get into the PFP projects, it's just a different beast. It's, you know, people aren't really buying in PFP projects for the art, not, not if it's just the PFP. They're buying it because it's kind of an asset that they want to, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the community, but it does seem very speculative. And then that creates expectations that I think are often not met. And then when you have 10,000 people whose expectations weren't met, a certain percentage of those people behind their computers are going to be pretty nasty. And so I think it's just art is a different thing. I'm very careful with how I communicate pre-mint, post-mint, and I'm very active with the people who are willing to be active in my Discord. And I'm just like, I'm here. We're doing this together. It's a, this is a you and me thing. It's not a me thing. Um, and I think that that helps kind of mitigate any of the stress that I would have or, or that I would feel from people feeling like maybe they were over-invested. Um, the, these yeah, free drops I, actually have pretty good prices too. I mean, it looks like they're, they're kind of bumping up against strip drop. I mean, you basically gave people a drop here. I mean, are, are these additions on the screen the ones yeah, that you so, to your community? Yeah, so the Tempest, the, all the um, horizontal ones were free. Um, okay. Two drip holders. Um, Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Tempest. This is all from a, like a hurricane in, in New York City. Um, and then Lost to Find was uh, uh, just a, a normal release. Um and uh, City Serendipity was also just a normal release. Um, but yeah, these are, you know, additions are a great way to expand your community. And, and I've had a lot of fun with uh, this contract these, this year, which I didn't really do a ton of additions before. What, um, since you're so deliberate about how you think about this kind of, kind of as a, as a business, but also just as a, a community building and what's the right tempo and, you know, and, and these are things you think about. I'm curious, how do you think about your one-of-one business and like the super rare, the auctions? What, it, it, what's kind of, is there a strategy there or how do you Yeah, absolutely. It? Like everything is interconnected. So I, I actually had this um, in my ETH Barcelona presentation last year, I, I put up this slide that was like, um, like the circle theory of, of community engagement. And basically it starts like it's a circle and it's like, here's the people who hold my one of ones. And like, then after that, there's this um, circle that is like, here's my drive holders. And then basically as the rings, as you fill up your community and the floor price is prohibitive for people, you can keep adding these rings and, and expanding your community like an amoeba, right? Um, a lot of my analogies are really biologically based because... I do believe we're just all in, the, in this giant digital biology system and like one giant collective consciousness on earth. So like I look to nature to inspire me. Um, and so basically what that does is my one of one holders, I'm like, you know, you spent 10 ETH, you spent 11 ETH on my, on my one of one or more. Um, you are like a, a core member of my ecosystem. You're like the inner sanctum of what I'm trying to build. So what I did was going all the way back to my first mints, I said that anybody who holds a one of one of mine, when I drop drive, they were able to have first dibs on drive. They, they could choose up to three cars of their choice in order of who bought what. Basically, like I'm trying to have people rewarded for their support of me early and being like, hey, like you believed in me at this time when a lot of other people were ignoring me you get first dibs into this thing or you get this free thing from me. So then moving from drive into drip drop, every drive holder was able to claim a free drip. And then if you look at the floor price of drip, you know, it dipped a little bit down um, in the past few days. I think the whole market is, is a little uh, sagging a bit, but generally 
what it's been is that the the floor price of drip drop was about the mint price of a drive car. So like everybody, you know, if you got one, that one free drip, you could sell and get your value back. Um, and so like, I'm just constantly looking for ways to expand this, this kind of circle of, of inflow and outflow. And, and I just think it's been a, it's been a really fun way to, to build community because you're, you're interweaving all your projects and you're making sure that again, this, this idea that you, you're, holders are a part as much a part of your project as the artist is. Um, and I think that's really important for me to lean into moving forward as well. Well, I'm curious, this is a bit of a different topic. You've been around for a long time. You've seen this community and people come and go. What's your take on the current moment in NFTs right now? Uh, from, uh, you know, liquidity's dying down. It feels like we're, you know, I, I, on my show, I like to report the top one of one sales on super every day. And, uh, you know, it, it used to be, you know, I was reporting double digit sales. Now I'm reporting sales for two ETH, which I love because I get to look at artists that are under the radar screen and explore yeah. their life and their work. And it's amazing. But uh, yeah, I'm curious, what, what's your kind of take on the moment having seen a bunch of cycles? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's like, we've been here before, you know, when I sold, uh, when I sold drip drop ETH was like 870. It was like the bottom of the bottom. And people in my circles were like, yo, like, are you sure you want to drop this today? Like, yikes. And I think what we're seeing is just that, like, I hope, I, I hope that we're teasing out the differences in what this technology can be used for. So like, there's a difference between art NFTs and then like PFPs, for example, and there's a difference between cryptocurrencies and NFTs. And like, I think the more we mature and like the more we shed um, and the less noise there is, like the more signal uh, like erupts through. And I like these moments where we can, you can see everyone who's still a player here, everyone who's still a participant, everybody who's still passionate. And, um, you know, when Xcopy was minting, like for a few hundred dollars or less in the early days, like, you know, I, I look to people like that for, for inspiration about resilience and, you know, I think the people that are here right now are some of the most committed, um, smart, savvy, art meets technology thinkers in the world. And, you know, there's been other moments in art history that have fluctuated in, in similar ways. Um, so there's no up only guarantee. I think up only is an extremely unhealthy mindset. And so this is just another dip in the in the roller coaster that we've all been on for a few years. And I'm I'm really just not discouraged in the least. Um, I think the market, like this is the thing about a market, like the market's going to value what the market wants. And I still see art doing very well. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to talk a little bit about your art. Looking at this, it's sure. a super rare page here. Are there any pieces that are your personal favorites that, uh, that you have the most pride in? Oh man, that's tough. So the thing about my one of ones is like, if I mint a one of one, you can see it's very limited what I have on super rare. Um, if I'm in a one-on-one, it's like it passes my like highest bar for what I consider to be work that's worthy of, of the chain. Um, this piece is actually really special. This is a, a collaboration with a, a physical artist, um, Ryan Keeley. And he printed out my work on these huge canvases and then, and then ran ink through the printer or like, and, and then repainted over it and we rescanned it and... Um, I just love working with other artists as well, but this also holds kind of in that cohesion of, of what my one of one work is because the, the source image we use fits right into my, my other one of ones. But, you know, I, I just, I'm trying to create this kind of 
cinematic universe. Um, it's kind of this neo-noir Blade Runner New York. Um, this, this piece is actually in the Ledger collection. Um, that is, I'm very, really honored to have this piece uh, in the Ledger collection. I obviously love Ledger. Use them uh, for all my hard wallet needs. And uh, this is like, to me, is like the iconic like Times Square cyberpunk uh, kind of blizzard feeling with that soft blue glow coming off the billboard. Like, I like, I really want to create moments that can kind of transport you into the scene. And and a shot like this on like a seventy inch you know frame TV is like, it's just so cool to see it. And I think one. One thing that about this art that I meant here is like I'm building for a world in which there's screens everywhere. You know, I'm building for a world of augmented reality where these photos can be 30 feet tall and you can see every little detail. Um, and so I, I really like this idea of you know going as hard as I can to build for a world that doesn't quite exist yet. And that's that's the futurist in me for sure. And and here's one we got in Taiwan. It looks like yeah yeah. So this one is a real special one. Um, owned by Josh Buckley. And uh, this was just one of those moments where like, you know, photography, uh, street, these are all candid street photographs, by the way, which is really important to me. So these are all found moments. Like I don't set up anything. This is just the world unfolding in front of me. Again, that code of the universe. Um, and basically, like, I think a great photograph is what unfolds at the confluence of different circumstances. And it's the duty of the artist to kind of take slides of time and be like, this is a moment worth freezing and preserving because moments pass us by so quickly. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's really like w the duty of the photographer is to kind of like stand in the flow of time and be like, this moment is one that is worthy. And then how deciding do you split later. Your time? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, how do you split your time between, I mean, community building and, everything you're doing with all these mechanisms and, and all your jobs with, with, with actually going out and shooting and creating content and creating art, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of my learnings over the past few years is that I need to be in the field more again. I, um, I also run a, a social club called all ships, all ships.co. And, you know, the, the idea there is that I want to share everything I've learned and I want to elevate artists and give them a platform to tell longer form stories and, and get deeper into their work. And if some, if a friend or somebody I love has a project coming out, I, I you know, take a lot of time out of my day and I, I write these super in-depth articles about them and I use my social followings across all my platforms to promote their art. And it takes a lot of time. Um, so I think this year... I do want to spend a lot more time making the work and a lot less time um, online. But because of the path I've chosen, you know, I, I've chosen a path of uh, community and conversation and um, building uh, so that I, I do have to split my time between um, many things. But fortunately, all the things I'm splitting my time between are so, so um, worth, worthwhile to me. You know, like I don't feel like I have a job at all. Um, and I'm sure you'll recognize a lot of these names. Like these are, these are some of my favorite artists in the space. And what's funny is a lot of these artists I wrote about in 2011, uh, 2021 rather and 2020. And, um, just to see how far they've come now is, is, uh, just very, very heartwarming for me. And to think I had any impact on, on that is, uh, something that I would love to, I would love to know. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing that's so clear is that you, have built your 
business, your career, really around being someone who supports others and promoting the people around you. And that is, you know, and looking out, putting your community first, just looking out for other people, you know, and it just feels like that. Is, yeah, you can feel that in these conversations and it's just, it's awesome to see it work. You know, it's, yeah. it's like the golden rule actually works, you know. Well, you know, what's interesting. Has, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this is like, not only is it the right thing to do is to have an abundance mindset and to like provide information and to do what you can to elevate others. You know, there's limitations on, on how much one person can do and there's all sorts of other considerations, but it's just practically effective, which is a, my favorite thing about it is like, even if you, if you're like, don't do it out of the kindness of your heart, like one of the best ways to build an audience and build a brand is to intertwine yourself with other people doing the same. All value is rooted in community. Like a dollar, an American dollar is like a, a token of the American community that is like, we all agree through this consensus mechanism that's reinforced by the government that this represents some sort of community exchange. It's a way for us to abstract value through space and time. And that's what's happening with NFTs as well. And so there's like no, you can have a billion dollars on a desert island. It's nothing. It's not even as good as one, you know, banana. So the only reason to have any sort of valuation of money or tokens or, or, you know, transactional things is in order to operate within community systems. And so if you understand that, then the, the most valuable thing you can do for yourself is to make sure that you water your garden around you. Like make sure that your ecosystem, your forest is healthy, is thriving, you know, make sure that you're protecting it and make sure that you're fostering good relationships within that community because it's the most valuable asset you could ever have. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, for me, I, when I, when I joined NFT Twitter, I basically saw an opening for someone who could actually do analysis and not try to make money off their followers. I right. was like, there's an opening in this space for someone who can look at the numbers, build charts and show people what's going on without trying to pump their own bags. Cause no one's doing it, you know, and this yeah. was two years ago. And yeah, that's kind of been the mantra of my entire platform is if I ever even own something telling everybody and not, like transparency and just trying to help. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'd respond to every DM back in the day and, you know, I wouldn't say it's easy. I don't see you're not, it's making a killing, but it led to the job I currently have, you know, and it, it was like, and I think like that trust is something that the minute it would go away, everything I built has gone away, you know, and it's just never worth it to jeopardize that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I completely agree. And, and also, yeah, I think you've led uh, with such a great example. Um, so, you know, I think it's the people that have that ethos and, and commit to it and, and really want to build so that the space can thrive and survive and, and make a better world for all the participants uh, involved. I think that's the way that we get through these, you know, downturns. And, um, you know, I, I just, there's so many good people, uh, you, you're one of them and there's a lot of other ones too, that are really, really, really working hard to make sure that this, this community thrives. And uh, I'm just very encouraged by that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Last question I want to ask, and I'll tell you, first I'll tell you a story, which is that I went to a concert. Uh, I went to a concert recently and in the program, uh, no, I looked online at interviews with kind of like the lead singer and the, the drummer and they, they asked the, the lead singer, so what, uh, what's your advice for aspiring artists? <laughs> and and the, the, the response in the interview was have a backup plan. <laughs> 
And then <laughs> I, on, on the way home, I heard one of your interviews and you were saying like that when you started doing production and, and other things like that, you said, my big takeaway is that you can make a lot of money as a photographer. You can actually, or and if that was your wording, but you can like, this is a business that you can be successful in and you can make a career out of. And I, and I'm curious, uh, I think that was your interview with Dee's, uh, where you, where, where you, you mentioned that story from doing production I, and I had the same, ex- when I, when I did, uh, when I did photography at Uber, I was, yeah, I saw what you'd have hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar shoots that, that way. Yeah. It's crazy. So I, I'm curious. I mean, it's, it's clearly not easy to make it as a photographer. Um, oh, definitely not. But, but what's your, I, I guess maybe for the aspiring photographer or what, what are the traits you think that someone has to have to be successful? What are the, what are the things where you think these are, you know, if you want to, this is a slog, but these are the things that you should be doing early on. How, you know, and I know obviously community is such a big piece for you and yeah. so social media expertise and engagement. But how, how do you think about that? So, yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think to the, the point I was making in that conversation is like when I was in high school, I, I just – everyone around me um, fortunately had a very supportive family. So excluding them, um, everyone around me who you know saw my passion for photography and for art was like – it was almost like funny to them. You know, they're like, you want to be a photographer? Like there's no money in the arts. What are you talking about? You know? And it was, that's just such a, I don't think it was a lie. I just think like, you know, I grew up in a suburb and like nobody had any exposure to creative industries. Right. And I, when I moved to New York, I was lucky enough to do have a retouching job with Annie Leibovitz, who's, you know, iconic, incredible, you know, um, history mover on photography, like totally uh, lucky opportunity for me. And, but I was just like, Oh wait, like this is such a big industry. And then when I kind of moved on and, and started doing um, social media projects for giant corporations and, and I got a job at BBDO helping them understand social strategy, I saw the budgets that go towards creativity. And then I realized like everything around you, like I can even look, around my room or everywhere I go on the subway on, on every billboard, like everything you look at has the touch of a creative person. And it's just, there's so much value created by creative people. And so my point is really like, if you feel the calling to, you know, live a, a, a creative lifestyle and to not conform to rigid hierarchies and systems that like personally I cannot function in, like there is room for you and there's demand for you. And as it's a better time than ever because as we get deeper and deeper into a screen-based society, like they've replaced every ad on the subway is now a screen and they're doing that so they can rotate more advertising through. But to me, that's an infinite canvas, right? Each little screen is an infinite canvas. Every cell phone is an infinite canvas for art and those things demand visual content. And so for people like me and, and video people and graphic designers and people who use AI and, and just people who are super interested in creating beautiful things, there's more real estate and more demand for us than ever before. And it's increasing day over day. And so there's just a a tremendous amount of opportunity out there for, for creative people. And just don't let people tell you that it's not an industry. It's one of the biggest industries. Um, and to me, it's a, a more noble industry than like just moving money around or something like that. When, when I told people I was the, my last job at Uber, I was the head of photography. And when I would tell people, I'd be like, what in the world does a head of photography do? And I'm like, you realize this company spends $500 million a year on advertisements and every yeah, one of those like, advertisements has a visual <laughs> asset. You yeah, know? So and, like, and we're in 50 countries. We're in 50 yeah. countries and 
the skin tone of the models might not look like the, the drivers that were going after in a certain country. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, this is just, a, you know, and like there was so much to do to create a platform that actually kind of unified it all and told our story better because we were so bad at storytelling. We're such, we're um, such visual creatures. Like it's so essential for us. It's one of our most important senses. Um, and the whole entire built world that, that we live in is, is just the product of people with brilliant creative minds. And if you if you're yeah. a young person that that feels that gravity towards that type of lifestyle, then I by all means I encourage you to take the leap. I guess the other like the practical advice is like it takes a long time. Um, consistency is your best friend. Just like iterate, iterate, iterate. And then again, you know, not to hammer the point, but community. Your community is like your feedback loop. Like you know, if I didn't have people like Jay and Silva and and other photographers on Instagram that were in this constant creative dialogue with me. Um, I would never have gotten to the, the position I'm in right now, which is uh, to be an artist uh, and making a living off my art. And my homie, Jeremy Perez Cruz, he was, uh, he, he worked. Oh, I Uber. love sleeping planes. Shout out sleeping planes. Dude, dude, what a, um, what, incredible what a, photographer. What an amazing artist, man. He yeah. He's so awesome. great. Um, last thing I always say, that's my last question and it never is. So one more question. I, I, sure. I, I think we just got to touch on, you know, since you just have such a, good view of the industry what, what's your kind of view on ai and its role relative to photographers and how you're approaching that tool set for your own uh future oh man i love ai so it's funny because like a lot of people expect me to hate it but it's just so ridiculous like guys here's my take i expected you to like it because you are clearly someone who evolves with the moment and who never yeah, fights that, the market true. but he was like how can i blend myself into the market so i did not expect you to dislike it but I, yeah but go on a lot of people think i don't like it and i've had this conversation a lot and i'm explain why I, I love it um first of all it's so fun it's absolutely fascinating it's like the visual cortex of our collective consciousness is waking up and like you can just let it dream and hallucinate according to like your own dreams and hallucinations. And it's creating this incredible dialogue um, between man and machine. And I just think it's one of the most beautiful things. I'm so lucky to like have lived long enough to witness this because I'm having so much fun with, fun with mid journey. I actually started some splinter accounts. I love to start new social identities to, to pursue different lines of technology. So I started an account called zero X Android uh, and it's basically, I'm, I'm writing a science fiction universe where mid journey is created with, you know, in collaboration with me is creating this visual, um, uh, ecosystem. Like it's all just like sci-fi based, like nerdy stuff that I'm just thinking of in my head. And then I use chat GPT four to write the captioning and the storytelling associated with the project. So that to me is like so fun and I'm learning so much about technology in the world. And one cool thing about AI is that like, we're pretty close to being indistinguishable from uh, reality, like just faking reality completely. And I think it actually necessitates um, the, yeah, so you can see this whole world I'm building of like, you know, this, this alien solar system that I'm trying to develop here. Um, Amazing. We're, we're very close to this being indistinguishable from reality, uh, both in text and in imagery. And I think what it does is it actually necessitates blockchain technology. So I'm really excited because like I picture a world in which you can deep fake, you know, a video of, you know, the president of the United States, like, you know, declaring war on a country. Right. And that video will spread way faster than fact checkers can stop it. 
But I think what we'll look for in the future is we'll look for that like multi-sig that was signed by the Speaker of the House, the President, you know, the, a cabinet, depending on what the information is and, and what department it's relevant to. Like, I think that we're going to have to have multi-sig verification of the truth. Um, otherwise, we won't have a ground layer of truth. And so I think this is incredibly bullish. The other thing I think is really interesting is that NFTs create a really they're, – they're tokens of a relationship between two human beings. So, you know, this – for example, this bedroom I designed in Midjourney, um, it's beautiful. I think it's, like, objectively beautiful. Like, I want to sleep there. It's awesome, right? But it's just – it's just a machine hallucination until there's a relationship between me, the creator and the, and somebody who might want to collect it. And those tokens, like, I don't think people are going to be that desperate to have those relationships with just like disembodied AIs as much as they were going to have them with, with artists. So I think that as AI can start to replicate all the work that we make, it makes those original tokens like that 2021 drive token becomes tremendously more valuable because I can make a million drive cars with the click of a button, but I can never remint that drive collection and the, the, the provenance of that collection and who held it and how long they held it for and the gamification and who won what. That story is something that is solidified and um, canonized by blockchain. And so as AI rises, so too shall blockchain technologies rise in their import to our society. And uh, that, that's so, like, it just makes me insanely bullish on, on Web3 technology in general. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, it's a view I hear a fair bit, but I think you articulate it really well. And uh, and yeah, I think that's that, I think that's a, a good uh, a good note to end on. Uh, Absolutely. You know, just given the optimism and I think you know the the excitement about w- what lies ahead in this space. You know, clearly most of our feeds are are a bit more negative right now on the space in general. So I think just kind of continuing to bring the, the, the positive energy that you do, your, your, your authentic self to the space and connecting people and being someone who people want to be around. It's just uh, clearly working very, very well. And I'm sure it will only be more and more impactful in the future. So thanks so much for coming on, man. It was really awesome to chat. So uh, thanks really so much. It. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And, and to the listeners, like I'd love to engage with you guys. Uh, you can just find me, at my link tree, which is linktree.com slash Dave Krugman. That'll link you to everything that I'm up to. And, and I'm Dave Krugman on socials and, and all that. So thanks so much for having uh, anything, me. Like, anything else you want to tell the audience before uh, we, we, we part ways? Well, stay tuned for drive lap too. I'm definitely doing that. Um, that, that information will be coming out soon. You know, I'm always, I'm, I'm deeply interested in connecting with other people. I meant very rarely on with, with one of ones, but if someone's interested, like I just really like building relationships with people and, and like customizing work and mints and stuff like that. But no, I just, I just want to thank you and the whole proof team. You know, I'm a, I've been a proof holder since I think day two, uh, maybe if not day one, I didn't get the mint, but I, I got it on secondary soon after. And I really love what you guys are doing. And I think the pivot uh, with the Moonbirds pivot to an art centric community is like a very, um, uh, incredible move. And I, and I've, I know personally many artists who have been very, um, positively affected by, by the shift in messaging. And I'm just extremely bullish on everything you guys are doing. And this has been a a bucket list conversation for me to have with you. And, and I'm just deeply grateful that, that you'd have it with me. So thank you so much. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.